it's just like that's what they want to do. He's just being like a supportive dad. Oh, uh, I feel like I'd be a supportive dad. Well, I don't think you'd have any like problem with that. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're just supportive. <laughs> I am a pretty supportive person. Yeah. The other side is Katie hates like hates children, oh. and so that's the side of him. Like I've always been like, if it happened. Cool. I'd probably be a fun dad. But at the end of the day, like, I also like freedom. So yeah, it's nice. And, a couple uh, of our friends just found out they're going to have a kid. And I was like, I'd be down to help babysit or something like that. And oh, Katie, nice. Katie was like, nope. And I'm like, all right, well, I can go do it. <laughs> I have fun with kids. I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's literally what we're going to get into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 like, I, I like kids. I just like seeing how they're brains work they're so weird Welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, welcoming you to another conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor. This week I am talking with Joe Polana. Joe Polana is a local Boston comedian uh, who is vastly funny, one of the funniest people I've ever met, one of the most kind people I've ever met, uh, and you get to hear basically both sides of that uh, throughout this entire conversation that I have with him. Joe, uh, competes at the, uh, weekly pick aside, stupid debate comedy podcast show that is recorded every single week in Quincy, Massachusetts at Maggie's lounge. If you remember, I interviewed Sean Carter earlier this year, uh, and you can go back and hear more about that, uh, podcast setup and the debate show as well. We reference it a little bit throughout the conversation a couple times, but uh, this episode features uh, our conversation where Joe uh, discusses how he has traveled the country to do comedy, uh, his life as a ska fanatic and the work that he does um supporting kids with autism and the research that he does there uh fantastic human being and i cannot wait to share this conversation that we had in my living room that was also interrupted by some cats uh because we got a new cat not long ago so there you go um Every week, I like to remind y'all that we are part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all of the podcasts and educational opportunities you can get by just checking out all the other folks and hosts that do great work in the world of education, online podcasting, and all that other jazz. Uh, you can also check out our nonprofit, The Art of Survival, at artissurvival.com. And this week, you get to hear tunes from the new Sammy Lanzetta album, which is called Ceiling mirror uh and it is a fantastic punk record that i think most of you should really enjoy it was really put out it was recently put out sorry recently put out through 6131 records you know one of our favorite record labels here at the podcast so yeah definitely stick around and listen to more sammy lanzetta but for now let's get to this conversation with joe Polana. here we go So I'm sitting in my living room with Joe Polana. How you doing, Joe? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Craig. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice 
uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, yeah. It was nice to... The weather hasn't been terrible. It's been nice and sunny. I love that. It's it, Today was a little bit colder than I was used to, but it's fine. Yeah, this is like peak New England. This is what it like feels like. And you're like a New England... Like, you're New England through and through, right? Yeah, like I'm 20 minutes away from my childhood home right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 3,000 miles away from my childhood home. Brag. <laughs> So, the holidays are nice because I don't have to deal with any family stuff. Oh, that's convenient. <sighs> yeah, but how was your holiday? It was good. Yeah? Uh, yeah, oh, I spent the night before bar hopping in Plymouth, so nice. that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, like with the, I've got like two cousins that are actually like my age because okay. we've got that big Irish family, and mm-hmm. so we're very tight. Good. And so that was nice. There's a lot of... Uh, a hypothetical marriage like my cousin's boyfriend has said that he's planning on proposing so okay. like so they have everything planned except that he hasn't actually proposed yet. okay <laughs> so that was fun to hear about <laughs> so he's put some time and effort into the idea yeah just like, the execution like she's, got, she's got like two different bachelorette parties planned <laughs> oh my gosh but like it's it's gonna happen. Okay, it's just a matter of uh, when. Yeah. So that was fun to hear. How many bachelor parties does he have planned? I don't know. Uh, I've been told that I am invited because her brother has to go, okay. and he needs a buddy because <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going fishing. Okay. <laughs> Which All is right. like his. He's a big fishing guy. I, I like her boyfriend too. Like I do like him, but he he likes fishing way more than anyone okay. I've ever met. So like oh, it's wow. gonna be. Hardcore fishing. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think my cousin could handle that on his own. I went fishing like twice growing up. Once with my dad and my brother and I hated it. And then I went once with... Because they made me like stick a prawn or, oh. or like a crawdad uh, to help with the fishing like as bait. And I was like, I don't like this because I got like stuck by them. Like I got like stabbed by them a couple times. I'm like, I don't like this. And then I went fishing with, like, one of my best friends and his dad. And his dad was, like, through and through, like, a fisherman and, like, was catching shit all day. Yeah, and I was, like... Just stick his hand Yeah, just stuck his hand in the water like a goddamn bear. And, like, um, uh, he would put the bait on for me because I'm just a big, a big old pansy. And I actually ended up catching something. And I, I loved that. It was great because I didn't have to do all of the work. <laughs> <laughs> my other cousins, we we heard this story just recently that they they want like when they were like real little they wanted to go fishing mm-hmm. so the dad's like all right cool we'll go fishing and they just stood there didn't catch anything it was so boring They're like all right we never want to do this again mm. they found out as adults that he never put any bait on the hooks because he didn't want them to like fish. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic it's just great like dad trickery you might also appreciate this story. Um, in college, one of my friends for a sociology experiment for one of his sociology classes, we we did a fake bachelor party. Oh, because he was like, I never, I never planned on getting married. Blah blah blah. So let's like just do this experiment and see um, how um, how it like goes, and let's see what people's reactions are when we enter like a bar or whatever. And we're like bachelor party, yeah, we'll be kind of ridiculous. And he ended up getting like multiple people to make out with him randomly <laughs> through the night. We got a bunch of free drinks, a bunch of free stuff like throughout the night, and it was like a really cool like experiment to be a part of. And then at the end of the day, he was like, "Yeah, he like, got his assignment and whatever. He got an A on it or whatever." And then seven years later, he got married. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Did he, just, did he have a big bachelor like, yeah did, he did he i think he went that? to like iceland or something for his bachelor party that's intense yeah it's very different than the thing that we did but so, all that all that studying was for nothing <laughs> it's fine i mean i guess he got the a party again in downtown portland oregon or party in iceland i don't know i bet there's way more breweries in oh way more <laughs> <laughs> way more in portland oregon um cool so uh that detour uh leads us to actually <laughs> telling people who you are oh yeah <laughs> joe who are you what do you do and how'd you get here uh i drove uh <laughs> <laughs> um i'm a, a stand-up comic i've been doing that for a little over three years now uh and i also uh for my day job i work with kids with autism right now 
I've done that in varying capacities since I was, well, since my cousin was born, but since I was, uh, I've been paid to do it since I was 16. Oh. Yeah. So you've been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think with, like, breaks for college and stuff, it's about eight years of working with kids with disabilities under my belt. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, well, I took that year off because I was on the road for a year Mm -hmm. doing, doing comedy. What, um, where'd you go to school? Uh, for... For college. I went to Harvard. Oh, you went to Harvard? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, it was, it was a thing. <laughs> What'd you study there? A psychology, yeah. Psychology. I, I knew I wanted to work with kids with that. Like, that was my thing, going in and coming out. It oh, was, wild. Yeah. That's so cool. And my, the, I work in a psych lab now, and my, the guy who runs the lab was my, like, first professor, like, my, my first class, I tell you. It was weird. It, it's very full circle. Nice. That was the most casual way I've, I've ever heard someone say that they went to Harvard, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, I don't know, I feel like, I don't mind having gone there, but it's like, uh, everyone's got their own, like, uh, like opinions mm-hmm. about it, so I always just want to be me and not <laughs> also my school. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to have to carry that around. Because, uh, like, it was just the best financial aid I was getting. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, like... Which is kind of like a... Not something I hear every day. <laughs> yeah, no, because there are so many people there that are insanely rich, mm-hmm. and I was not that, so like, yeah. I don't I don't like people thinking I got money. Well, <laughs> I well, have so little money. And having worked in higher ed as long as I have, like I've been working in higher ed for like eight years now, um, <clears throat> the thing that a lot of folks don't recognize is that folks who might not have a lot of money, these schools that are like fine with their endowments they have the money to give exactly apply at least apply that was uh my mom actually was worried that i wouldn't go so she didn't didn't uh she didn't hand in some financial aid documents to the school she's like yeah i guess bu's just not giving you any money So uh, yeah, a lot of uh, I guess a lot of par- par- parental trickery runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't planning. On... <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah, uh, it was good. It I was... didn't even tell my parents that I had applied to college. Really? When, yeah, when I first went to college, I went. I started at the University of Oregon, and um, when I applied there, I only applied because I, I, I had a the application fee was waived. Oh, that's so I, I literally just applied. Um, and got in and I was like, Oh, cool. This is exciting. And then when I got in, I was like, Hey mom, dad, look, they were like, what did you do? I'm like, (laughs) I guess I'm going to go to college. And they were like, how are you going to pay for it? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I guess. What what did you do? Loans. Yeah. (laughs) Hooray. Are they like, how are you like good on those you pay them back yeah we're paying them back yeah fuck uh, yeah. whatever I got hit by that car so maybe oh, uh that'll help settlement. out once yeah. that settlement comes through maybe i'll just be able to like you be like the tracy morgan of yeah education. yeah but walmart probably has more money than this like, guy and his liberty mutual yeah. <laughs> that sucks dude. but like don't text and drive. That's just what I tell people. Don't text and drive. Yeah. Whatever. Especially um, like phones have the speech. Yeah. It, it comes. <laughs> Speak to text. The The thing that intrigues me a lot about you is... Ooh. Oh. Zooming cats. What like changed from one moment to the other for that guy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> But apparently football has a lot of energy right now. And it might be because Katie's home. Yep. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so when did you like start doing comedy stuff? Has this just been something that's uh, like within you? Or no, it was were you a, ever the class clown? I, 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 I was kind of. like I, I, I was like, a mischief maker, but not like I was also like a nerd so like i was i didn't want to like get like bad grades like, so like, i wasn't i wasn't like full class i didn't have the balls to be like the real <laughs> class clown but if like uh, if my teachers liked me i would joke around a lot like i did get told by my ap calculus teacher that i he'd seen my nipples too many times <laughs> 
because it was funny. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, man, nipples are funny. It's yeah. just a fact. Because they serve no other purpose than yeah. comedy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like a little bit. Like I, 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 I like doing like little mischief here or there. But I was, I was real. I didn't like performing. I was really scared of that. Like I was more like dorky like i liked writing and stuff like i would write like little like movies and things that will never see the light of day <laughs> they are very bad <laughs> but i that's what i liked i liked writing and i did i got onto an improv team uh my freshman year of college so i did improv and that kind of helped with like the stage fright but i did i went to like an open mic as like a sophomore in college and I did so badly <laughs> that like I I just didn't do comedy again for like another like year and a half, and then I I but it's something in me like I always loved stand up so I I think I just kept getting drawn to it and mm. wanted to go back, and there was a stand up club, mm. and so I did that and that was like a little nicer because you kind of workshop the jokes and not just go right. With just your yeah. own brain. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was like in... Because I, I was an English major and a writing minor and did, like, poetry and all that jazz. And so, like, I was in, like, three or four different workshops at the same time. And it was nice because, like, getting that, like, real-time feedback from people was always really nice. Yeah, because <clears throat> what is it your... What sounds good in your head is could be miles away from what sounds good out oh, of yeah. your mouth. Well, and that, that I think is also relatable because I, I've always felt like a pretty performative person myself. And so like getting on stage and doing it was never really the scary part. It was the part where like I had to like get over is like, is this good is the part like where like I could go up and recite like whatever was in my brain, but like, is it good? And will people react to it? it was always the thing that I was most obsessed over. So when I was doing these workshops and getting feedback, like Craig, I think this is the best thing you've done in a while, blah, blah, blah. Like that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to take this, this thing that was workshopped and go perform it or play around with it more. Um, because I could like, I, I was always reciting like post stuff and things that was like stuff that was proven. Yeah. Like, I can perform and take on other people's words, but then like putting on my own was like always a big old struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big thing I had to learn with stand up is that you worry about if it's good. You have to convince people that it's good. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's actually the key is that mm. you can, you can have good material, but if you don't sell it, it's yeah. going to die. Yeah, I mean, I would watch people uh, read incredible words, like, throughout all of my undergrad. I'm like, man, they write so well, but they deliver it like, instead of putting, like, heart behind it. And, like, that was something that, like, I knew that I could bring. Um, but, like, the, the scary part was, like, actually feeling like I could convince a crowd. That was the thing that I struggled to get over. That that took me a real long time, like yeah. to be like. And it was a lot of like. It was a lot of like failing at open mics of just things like I know these jokes are okay. Why is it not working? Mm-hmm. And it was just like kind of watching people that did well and didn't, and like just figuring it out. It's like oh, I gotta like sell me. Like mm-hmm. you have to, you have to. I have to convince before they'll listen to the jokes. They have to be like. Oh, I'm willing to listen to this person for the next three minutes. So yeah. like, like you have to do something. I think it's like really like the first ten seconds of any stand-up set is actually the most important because mm. of that. Because if nobody's listening, they're not gonna laugh. Mm. Like you have to get them listening before you can. And that was a thing that it, it just took watching so much of it to really figure out how to do that. Cause yeah. it's so tricky. Because <laughs> like. I'm thinking about how I when we watch you at the uh, the debates specifically, which um, I've had Sean Carter on the podcast earlier this year, and so if folks aren't familiar with what we're talking about, the the pick aside stupid debates, go back to episode sixty something. Sean Carter, we we explain the whole thing, um, but Joe is one of the folks that goes up, and you're pretty damn consistent crushing it um one of the things that i do notice in like that first 10 seconds is you always have something you almost (laughs) always have something to start with 
And I think that that is where some folks at the debates tend to fizzle with because some folks try to work it out as they're talking it out. And I feel like you're able to pick at least something that is at least somewhat funny to then work from that instead of trying to process it at the same time. So like that first 10 seconds is like, it is key. Cause you, you could just completely zone out on someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was from watching Bill like, before I got up. I'm like, Oh, it's way more important to be funny than to actually answer the question. <laughs> Cause I don't think I've ever I've seen him answer it like twice, but he's always the funniest guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. No, there was one night where, uh, Katie wasn't there. And I, I remember texting them and I was like, uh, Bill actually took the debate seriously tonight and still won. <laughs> I can't remember what debate it was, but he like, I, all right. <laughs> it, it, it's an anomaly. <laughs> it is. It was an anomaly. <laughs> but that's that's uh, something that like you and Jer Palapal do something very similar where like the first thing you say uh, is uh, honestly like the thing that'll get the crowd on your side. And yeah. Jer uh, is like really solid with that too. And so like what I've been trying to study from watching the debates, like, uh, cause like I've been going up here and there. Yeah. You're, you're very good at it. Getting there. I think oh, I, Which I, 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 I would say it. that you're up there. I don't know. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I have the stage confidence. It's the like, can I get it to be funny? Um, and so that's, that's what I've been studying is like getting that first bit Finding the thing that's funny and just going with it. Yeah. Because comedy's fucking hard. It's it's the weirdest thing because I feel like I feel like it is the only like perf- performance thing where even the best people at it still eat shit from time to time. It's like there's nothing else quite like. Nope. Like where like if like Dave Chappelle went up at an open mic, it might it it just might not work. Like mm-hmm. there's there's something about. There's like this extra ingredient in comedy where you can have the best material, the best crowd, the best uh, performance, and it still just doesn't connect. Mm -hmm. It's like the weird X X factor. I don't know what it is. I think Norm MacDonald called it just comedy, the entity. The entity. It might just not be there that Hmm. night. Yeah. And that, that happens to like... I feel like everyone like there's like those like YouTube videos like oh they suck tonight it's yeah. just like well maybe they suck maybe maybe it was just not there like it just happens and it's like well I, an energy of a room yeah an energy of the performer I I believe like performance is all about energy and like not necessarily like being hype all the time it's more of like you know what the atmosphere what's in the room how you're feeling yeah. and like I speak at colleges all the time and like. There are some crowds where I go and I speak in front of that just do not give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I still try to bring whatever I can because, I mean, I mean, you're only prepared with what you have. And so um, I try to give as much as I can, but sometimes it's not there. And then I'll go speak to a, a crowd that, like, fucking eats it up and loves it. And I have so much fun. And it's like – and it flies by. But, like, those times when it's not there, it can take forever. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> When uh, performing in front of a, like a crowd that doesn't care is like the, <laughs> it's not even that they don't like it's almost more fun if they actively dislike it because then you could like play off of that. But if they just don't care, yeah, that's like the mo- that's like pulling teeth. It's oh, so yeah. painful. Oh, it's tough. I did a talk at um, Southwestern University in Texas last year, last fall, and um, it was on. Uh, authenticity and leadership or something like that and um i had this group of guys this is like a room of like 150 people this group of guys in the back who i could tell like were voluntold to be there (laughs) they were just like not interested like that's just like their body language they were on their phones at the end of the the talk and i i saw them i was like all right whatever used to it at the end of the at the end of the talk i was like talking with people and people were coming up like oh i liked your talk blah 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 whatever you spoke so much we get it uh just things like that um this these the the couple of guys were like the last to come up and say hi and i was like how's it going they're like we really loved your talk it really like made us feel like we could possibly be leaders and i was like you? you didn't seem like you gave a shit like i literally said that to them and they were like oh no i mean we just I, I personally just have to be doing something else while I listen. And I was like, 
I get that. Holy shit. That's, I get that. So, like, I learned something in that moment. Like, you can't judge sometimes an audience yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. That's, 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 like, you see a lot of comedians of, like, the, the audience isn't super into, like, the first comics of the night or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll just be like, oh, this crowd sucks. So, mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you come in with that energy, mm-hmm. then they're gonna suck because mm-hmm. it's like you're giving them, you've decided that they suck. So yep. it's like if you kind of ignore, like, I don't know, you can't really ignore what, like, you have to like, maybe know that you gotta win them over, but mm-hmm. if you try, it might work. Yeah. But if you don't try, it definitely won't work. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. And. You spoke about going on the road for like a year because, like, yeah. you came out of no, like, I had no idea who you were. Like, this first debate when you showed up, I was like, Who's this guy? Why is he crushing it? Like, you were gone for like a year, yeah. What that, did you do? That was like, that's like, I think probably the 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 nice thing about Harvard is that they have too much money, yeah, and they have all these like fellowship things. So, I just applied thinking. They're never going to go for this. <laughs> and I said, if I could, it was like something like, right, like, if you could do a year doing anything, what would you do? And I said, I'd like to spend a week in every state exploring amateur comedy and America. <laughs> wow. And I probably said something to make it sound more like pretentious than mm-hmm. that. But it was really just, this is what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. And they went, yeah, you can do that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Dang, that's sick. Yeah, so that was what I did. And I was not a good enough comedian, really, to do it. Like, I'd only been doing it for, like, a year. So, like, it was a real, like, trial by fire for me, comedy-wise. Like, mm-hmm. going to new places and being, like... Every it, week? Every week. I spent a week. I, like, took I took Christmas off. Like, I went home for that. And I got into a bad car accident in Mississippi. So I mm. took that week off. But then... Basically a full week in every state. Dang. You yeah. know Hawaii and Alaska? Oh, no. Not those two. Sorry. Okay. Oh, just the, the ones you can easily drive to. Yeah. Continental states. Yeah. That's cool. I, like, it, I had no idea. It was really a surreal thing that happened. Well, it was like, what would you say is like your biggest takeaway from all of that? Um, I do think that uh, there's more good than bad. Like, okay. I saw all the... I like I do feel confident that I saw like a lot of like what people complain about like it's all there. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many cool, weird, kind people in this mm-hmm. country. It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm like lucky that I'm a little cute white boy. <laughs> but <laughs> like, maybe I saw maybe people were more willing to present their their good side to me. Yeah, but there was like there's like there's so many ra- like I went to like I never really cared about like art. Mm-hmm. But it was just like because I had to kill time during the day before comedy, so I, and it was usually cheap to go to art museums. So mm-hmm. I went to like it's just like so funny. It's like oh, this is like this one Salvador Dali paintings just in Kansas. It's yeah. like I love that. Like that's so <laughs> you cool. can only see it in Kansas. And it's just oh, like it's kind of cool. Like just like all these weird things that are around the country that you might not think to look for and. And, like, I think because I was doing a, a performance-based thing, you meet all these, like, weirdos mm-hmm. that are like you. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, so nice that there are these, like, little pockets of oddballs everywhere. Yeah. And I like that. Was it mostly open mics that you were doing then? Yeah. Like, I, I if I did, like, really well, like, sometimes I would get a book gig. But I, I didn't know how to do that. I'm still pretty bad at that, even though I've been doing it in Boston now for a while. Like, I'm not good at... Uh, asking <laughs> to be on a show i'm just bad at that uh like the, i think i'm very bad at all the non-comedy aspects of comedy like <laughs> like marketing marketing or... <laughs> i have no head for it and I'm, yeah. i i just feel like i'm bothering people mm. <laughs> oh okay that's and i Whereas whenever I am hosting something and another person asks to be on it i'm always like oh cool you want to do my thing like yeah. i so I don't feel bothered by other people, but yeah. I feel like I'm bothering people <laughs> if I ask to be on their thing. Is so that that's like something the old I got. Irish guilt. It must be, yeah. It, it, that's been in me forever. Like, <laughs> uh, it's something I, I I'm constantly working on. <laughs>
That was just a quick little break from the conversation with Joe to hear a little bit of the song Snake Song by Sammy Lanzetta. Now let's get back to the conversation with Joe, and then we'll get to the music break portion of the podcast where you'll hear a whole song from the new Sammy Lanzetta album. But until then, let's get into a little bit more about what Joe does uh, for his day job. So you have a rather interesting day job in career yeah. life um, that I'd love to dig into. Can you explain to folks exactly what you do? Um, so right now I'm working in an autism research lab. So uh, right now we our study hasn't gotten off the ground, but it's a lot of uh, like learning how to do like different like assessments for kids because we're gonna be working with. Uh, basically exclusively nonverbal kids so that's okay. very cool like those are my guys <clears throat> those are my guys i've been going through <laughs> uh no, like that's what uh, my cousin is nonverbal so like i've worked on and off or pretty consistently on <laughs> with uh, that population like i like the 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 difficult kids mm. that that uh you know can't really communicate cuz it's there's something special about that group because they they have so much more to show you if you're willing to do the work like mm. but i think yeah like because they can't talk like you have to put in a lot of the effort and it's incredibly rewarding to like get to know like these person these big personalities that like yeah. shine through once like you get to know them so like uh i work excited because like hopefully the research will you know help those kids like the goal would be uh well we're not doing an intervention there's an like a sister lab uh that is working on an intervention to like help kids improve with like language and communication if you can get to them early enough Mm -hmm. and the goal is more to see like if you can predict at like a really young age who's going to be more likely to get language and not Mm -hmm. because autism this the gulf of that spectrum is gigantic it's like people like you got Bill Gates, and then you got like someone masturbating at Walmart. <laughs> That's yeah. my cousin. I'm not just making fun of <laughs> someone random. Like yeah, it's like yeah, like someone was just completely kind of in their own space, mm-hmm. not really connected with other people. And I think they all got something to offer, but yeah. there's a big gap. There's a big yeah. It seems the, the distance between them is huge. Yeah, I I can only imagine. Um... One of my nieces is like um, pretty high functioning, mm-hmm. but on, is on the spectrum. And uh, something that we learned pretty early on is just like she. It took her. She didn't speak really until she was five. Yeah. And like that was like something that was like really scary to my my family. And my family is like pretty pretty highly stigmatized when it comes to mental health stuff. And so um, they were like kind of in um, denial. Of oh, a lot yeah. of what they were, of what my niece was going through, and so the whole time I was like, D- "You, there are people who could help her though. Like you can, you can get some support for her." And they just were like, "No, we'll wait it out," and blah blah blah. And in a lot of ways, I thought that that was like the wrong move. But um, she ended up eventually talking. She's like, she talks a whole bunch now. She's That's very awesome. social. Um, it is, but it took a little while to like actually like come out of her i suppose yeah i don't know if that's atypical or what i don't think it's that atypical like uh you know some kids never do i think a lot of it is like depending on the severity of autism it's like the 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 like core challenge is usually just like understanding like that not everyone knows what's in your head. So like, mm. a lot of kids just kind of don't see the point of talking or they're mm. intimidated because it might be a sensory thing too. Like there's a lot of that that is not, not everyone with autism has that, but a lot of the kids that don't talk have like real like sensory. So maybe it's the noise itself is, mm. we don't know. That's the yeah. craziest thing. Like this study that I'm working on, it's the first study like this that has oh. this many people in oh, it. Wow. Like, like it's, the nonverbal kids are the most understudied and the most in need of like assistance. So it's, it's it's like a real problem. Yeah. Because it's just, and I don't think it was like an intentional thing where they were left out. It's more that they were harder to get to sit in a lab. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it was just like, it just didn't happen. And also in general, autism research, very recent. 
Hmm. Like, I really? don't... Well, if you think about, it, like, growing up, did you know the term? Like... I knew the term, but I didn't really know what it meant. Yeah. I feel like the kind of widespread knowledge of it is pretty new. And mm-hmm. I think that really you don't get... Like, it was a lot of uh, a lot of denial. Like, I think, especially if a kid didn't talk, they were either assumed to be... Uh, it used to be called childhood schizophrenia, which is really fucked up. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, a lot of kids were just shoved into institutions and thought to be either severely mentally handicapped, which like some are. But so there's also that's the weird thing about autism. There are people that are nonverbal mm-hmm. with completely intact IQ. Hmm. Like so that's that's a unique autism thing where it's like, yeah, maybe there's there's something about the communication or the desire or the the sensory aspect of it that like they don't want to talk or want to. I don't. I wouldn't say that, but they, they can't talk. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they can't. They solve problems, uh, communicate. If you give them an iPad, they'll tell, they'll have full conversations. Hmm. IQ is totally there, so it's it's something else, and we don't know what. Yeah. It just hasn't been done. Wow. And it's kind of crazy that like, uh, yeah. But in general, I I think you don't even get the term autism till like the sixties. Mm-hmm. You don't get a real autism specific treatment until the 80s and then that treatment is kind of fucked up so you don't get a really good one until the 2000s that's wild yeah it's so wild yeah and i feel like growing up um there was just not a lot like you, you said there wasn't a lot of like discussion around it but i think even like teachers weren't trained enough no well enough for managing students with these types of needs no i i think we're we're really just getting there like i think a lot of i don't know what your experience was but my brother and my cut co- well my cousin's doing special ed so she obviously had to learn it but uh, when my brother was doing his student teaching it was a lot of like you have to have a kid with an iep in your class just hmm. to get used to it like interesting so you, you should learn because you're gonna have a lot of uh you know kids with even in a typical classroom, you're going to have someone with something. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, that is um, pretty valid to my experience when because I, I went to school for English and education. And the initial, um, my initial um, like internships and like what I wanted to do was special ed. Hmm. And um, when I first went into like uh, interning in a couple classrooms <clears throat> to get that experience, I did not have the patience for it. Like I learned that very quickly about myself. And that was something that when I was talking to like my advisors about, they're like, it's good that you learn this now yeah. uh, than, than later. So like um, the because pa- then I, I eventually wanted to do elementary education because I just, I have fun with kids. Yeah. I really do have fun with kids. And um, it was uh, a pretty cool like experiment experience to to get to like learn more about kids and how they develop and whatnot but like i i struggled so i think it takes like just a specific type of person and clearly you're that type of person (laughs) yeah would you call yourself that type of person that can that has the yeah patience wherewithal i think it's i think it's like the one thing i would confidently say i'm good at (laughs) i don't don't know (laughs) Is is just like yeah, I I have a a connection and affinity and the patience because it is a lot of patience. It's a lot of, well, I mean, working with any kid is patience. Like mm-hmm. a like a like a real like young kid, it's they wanna. You need to constantly reinforce good things. Mm-hmm. You got to be on them when they're like, and this is like any little kid. Mm-hmm. That's it's draining. Any parent will tell yeah. you that. It's just you, you have that they, they their energy is unreal. And then if you add like a disability on top of that, you're getting that kind of energy for a longer window. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I because my my little cousin who I'm very close to and I worked a lot with, because I had it in the family, like it wasn't an option to mm-hmm. not learn how to, you know, get to know him and, yeah. on his terms. Yeah. And I do find that, like. Eight to nine times out of ten, the people that are the best with working with someone with disabilities are people that have disabilities in the family. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I think it is something you can learn to be good at, but I feel like if it's not just like it, there's something has to kind of just be in you, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. But 
everyone I know, like the people that I've like really respected that are like the best at it, have someone that they care about that yeah. is uh, that they grew up with or that they live with. I think yeah, and I think that kind of goes along with a lot of like a lot of things. Like if you oh, have someone sure. in your family that has like addiction, you're probably a little bit more understanding or to be predisposed to um, supporting those sorts of folks, or even like um, someone who has mental health issues, things like that. So um, the more you're like aware of the actual realities of this life, the more uh, understanding and more uh, able you possibly become at like supporting those folks outside of your family yeah and i think a lot of it i guess is uh, with that it's it's seeing past the behaviors mm. you know the like i think that's a big thing mm-hmm. you you know the person mm-hmm. under the behaviors yeah. if you live with them like but it's like yeah you can see like my cousin at times has been like aggressive and like if he just pulls like a little kid's hair at a store mm-hmm. he's like 17 it looks mm-hmm. awful yeah, the but optics I, are not great. No, it looks it looks really bad and scary. But I'm like, oh, he just saw something he wanted to touch. Like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. I, <laughs> I I don't see it that way. You have that that yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that kid. I'm not saying he, he did anything wrong, but uh, he should have known. <laughs> that should have had the air. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like you 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 look at the world weird when you grow up. Like I got, like it'll be like, oh, you know, I got punched in the face but i did leave that cabinet open like that was i was that was on me i i should know that he likes that cabinet closed <laughs> and that's kind of like what you learn those things and like that's what like the personalities are wonderful and so fascinating like mm. it's just like the things that people uh fixate on and that they love like i love mm. that like he just used to really like these like Portuguese covers of David Bowie songs. It's like <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he really loved that album. It's just what? like all right, cool. Like I like I like that. That's in you. Like yeah. <laughs> and that's something that'll give you some joy and like possibly calm you down at times. Yeah, like, no, it was like yeah. I think like, he goes through like different phases, but that was that was one. It was so funny. It was like cool. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. <laughs> More power to him. Yeah. So you said, um, before we started recording, you said that you find that there's like a pretty good intersection between the comedy stuff that you do and the work that you do in general. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find the two like intertwining? Oh, I think it's a lot of um, like learning to like laugh and roll with things that aren't easy. I think that's yeah. like comedy at its best is making you like laugh at things that are like uncomfortable and like feel better about the world it's like i think it's like working with kids you have to almost have that kind of loosey-goosey personality where you're just like yeah cool we're rolling with it and you have to think on the fly a lot of that like like when things uh like kind of being cool with things not going how you planned yeah it's it's huge like i think that's that's like a big thing for comedy is like you see people like they have like a really tight script of what they want to say mm-hmm. and it's like as soon as like the first three jokes aren't working they can't get out of it mm-hmm. i feel like if you work with kids it's like oh yeah, you're just kind of used to that like yeah yeah sure i had i had what i wanted to do go again but now we're just in the tub like <laughs> <laughs> like that's it like all right we're not doing any like work today we're taking a three hour long bath and yep well, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to get some of the lessons in and, like, some of the, like, I'll adapt to that. <laughs> so it sounds like your life is just one long improv. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it feels that way. I've certainly never had a <laughs> consistent plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like yeah. that. Time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you a track from the new Sammy Lanzetta album, which is called Ceiling Mirror. At the top of the episode, you heard the song Titty Logic, and then you heard a little bit from Snake Song, and you'll hear the end of Snake Song at the end of this episode. But for now, I'm going to play the song Nude Hugs, Love Keith, from Sammy Lanzetta. 
if you like what you hear, go to 6131records.com, grab yourself a vinyl copy, CD copy. Uh, I believe they also have cassettes of the album as well. Just pick up the album on physical. And if you don't have the money, that's fine. Just go stream it. Show some love. I know everyone was posting their Spotify wrapped um, uh, data from the last year and last decade earlier this week. So put some Samuel Lanzetta in that data. Get some streams for Samuel Lanzetta. Uh, and if you enjoy it, go buy it, stream it, whatever. Just just listen to it and enjoy it. Um, right now I'm going to play the song Nude Hugs Love Keith from the new Samuel Lanzetta album, Ceiling Mirror. Here we go. Hugs Love Keith by Samuel Lanzetta off the new album Ceiling Mirror. Definitely go to 6131 Records and buy yourself a digital copy, vinyl copy, CD copy, whatever you want. Just make sure that you're supporting the labels and supporting Sammy. Um, But now let's get back to the conversation with Joe Palana. We're going to get into a lightning round and a big old conversation about a lot of music, which is fantastic, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Joe. I want to talk to you a little bit about things that you like in the world. Fuck yeah, let's do it. A little bit of a lightning round. Cool. Spend uh, spend as much time on them as you want, though. It's like I'll a slow to, lightning storm. I'll try to be like impulsive. Good. What's your favorite color? Orange. Me too. Whoa. Yay. That's like, I feel like a weird one. No one ever ah, likes orange. I love orange. Yeah. I mean, I went to Oregon State, so. 
I'm just a, just an autumn boy. Autumn? Oh, great. Uh, what's your favorite food? Mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes? Nice. Can what eat. kind of gravy do you like? Oh, uh... I like a, like a like a mushroom gravy. Oh my god! I was about to say I love mushroom gravy. Uh, well, we should, Joe, we should make out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie? Uh, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Oh my god, Joe! We're like <laughs> hanging out all the time now. <clears throat> um, what about Gremlins too? Oh, Gremlins two is. <laughs> That's like my sentimental favorite. That's like <laughs> it is. It's up there. Like, I do very unironic. I know it's become like a bit on yeah, the, yeah. the debate, but I very unironically love that movie. It's great. But I think for uh, active quality, yeah, <laughs> I would have to rank the Big Lebowski a little. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite place that you've like ever visited? Uh, oh, probably New Orleans is New just Orleans? like the coolest. Like, yeah. There's nowhere else like it. Yeah. I spent a few days down there for a conference, and it was really great. Yeah. I had just gotten braces, though. I, so um, my teeth were super sensitive, and I couldn't even eat beignets. Oh, that's sad. So Those I need to go the, back. And if you don't drink, like I feel like that's a part of New Orleans that you miss out on. Cause it's, I love observing, though. Yeah, because like, they have like the weirdest drinking culture. Right? Really? Yeah, because there's no uh, open container law. So you oh, can you can ju- walk around with it. Yeah, you yeah. can just uh, you can just like bring because there's bands at every bar, so you can kind of take a drink from one bar, check out their bed, then walk to another bar with like mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. I love it. That's wild. And they, there's like a lot of like old bars where it's like this used to be where pirates drank, and I love that. <laughs> like there's like an absinthe <laughs> house where Andrew Jackson uh, hired some pirates to help with the like, War of 1812. It's, like, bizarre. <laughs> the history is... of the drinking there is fascinating. All the history of New Orleans is fascinating. Gosh. Yeah, I, I really only spent a little bit of time there, but I did get to go for a run one morning, and this was in March, and I left for my run at 6 a.m., and I was drenched within three minutes of oh, running. Oh, just, like, instant humidity. Hu- humidity, like, out the ass. It was... <laughs> <laughs> they don't talk like anyone. It's great. Like, it's, it's a cool place yeah um what about a book do you have a favorite book or anything uh yeah it was uh it's called the human comedy okay yeah by uh william soroy it was something my dad like read to me as a kid but it's not a kid's book i don't know it just stuck with me it's a really Hmm. beautiful little book cool um so i saw that you put up uh a decade list oh yeah that you've uh in stuff you've enjoyed for the last decade. Can you tell folks a little bit about the movies you chose and the albums you chose? Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I, the Florida Project just was my number one because that movie wrecked me. Mm-hmm. But like, and like, I just thought it was really. Uh, did you see that? I one? did not see it. It, it, it's so much just kids. I think that's it. Like for me, like, anything with kids, like just will wreck me. But it's mm-hmm. also so funny because it's. Like little kid actors just kind of being natural. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like, but it's like this like motel right near Disneyland. So mm-hmm. you just see like, and that is the thing that is fucked about Orlando. It's just like abject poverty mm-hmm. blocks away from the most magical place on earth. <laughs> and it's just, so it's like, it's just like these people like really grinding and barely making it through. And Willem Dafoe is like one of my favorite. I've he's, heard he's great in it. He's, cause he, he, he plays. He nominated for the Oscar, right? He shouldn't want it, but. Yeah. Cause he actually plays a nice guy, which is really uncommon for him. Mm-hmm. But it's really just like a beautiful little movie. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it just, it it just destroyed me, it, but also like it's so funny and it's everything. But it is like it is crazy that you could just kind of see like Disneyland, like Lou make it in the background. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of New Haven, Connecticut, where yeah. it's like there's just a lot of poverty right next to Yale. Like you can tell where Yale starts. Yeah, because yeah, you can just tell where the money starts. Yeah, where like. Uh, Connecticut's a weird place. It is. Uh, I like I like New Haven. Like there is a lot of cool stuff. Like they got that weird pizza culture, which mm-hmm. I love. That like yeah. that's just like a pizza place. Yeah, randomly. Uh, but uh, yeah, 
I felt like <laughs> the angriest comedy I saw was in Connecticut. Really? Yeah, because it's a lot of like white people that used to have money, and that's like <laughs> it's very bitter, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is almost kind of frightening. <laughs> There's Jeez. also some good people there too. Like, I don't want to knock the whole thing, but <laughs> yeah. What about the music side? Music. Uh, I got real into. I think that was big for me in this decade is that I did not know about like hip hop mm-hmm. going in. Mm-hmm. I was very I was a ska boy in high school. Ska. And I still like some of it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was like I think it was because the white suburban kids in my high school listened to bad rap, so mm-hmm. I just didn't know. I just assumed it was kind of like that in country music. Mm-hmm. I just assumed all of it was bad because that's what the people around me listened to, like the worst of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard MF Doom for the first time, <clears throat> and I was just like, "Oh, I need to know." I, I I've been wrong. Like, yeah. I'm like this is weird and dorky and funny and strange. Yep. And then MF Doom and Scarface, all that stuff. I love they that. Make, they just make some good shit together. And then I I did like a deep dive through like. Wu Tang solo pro. I just like tried to educate myself over this decade because I'm like, this is a big part of culture that mm-hmm. I don't know anything about. And yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. About it. That's big. Just really. And then that kind of opened up. Like, if I was wrong about that, I listened to like a lot more music. Like, I got into. I just, I think, really kind of came online. Like, mm-hmm. at leaving high school. I think that happens to people where you yeah. just. So, like, learning a lot more about like. Uh, and weird like musical connections like i like punk stuff like i always liked punk stuff but just like kind of like going back and like listening to like what inspired people and like what's still like relevant mm-hmm. and it's cool because like, it is like i really like that band titus andronicus oh I, yeah i like them a lot they're so fun to see live too yeah they their I, singer is like a super interesting person too. yeah he's so cool his interviews are really interesting yeah. i like people that like they're thoughtful like mm-hmm. you can tell like, like their music's like about like they wrote like a whole rock opera about bipolar disorder mm-hmm. like i love yeah. it like that kind of thing gets to me mm-hmm. and i loved um i loved uh well like, to be butterflies like the easy thing where it's oh. like when that it's like oh that's a that's a cultural moment like that's yeah. that's like oh when it's I, the first cool time to... i listened to to pimp a butterfly i was like this is something special yeah and it's like and it has everything after it is different mm-hmm. and like it's cool to like have lived through a moment like that where mm-hmm. it's like oh like this actively changed culture for well, the it, better like and the it took of... a lot from the stuff that was happening in that moment too because like um uh, uh, Thundercat is on it a lot. Kamasi Washington is a bunch. Yeah, of... the the things it did for jazz, like it brought yep. in like live. I love seeing like a hip hop act with a live band. I mm-hmm. think that's the coolest shit. Where yep. it's like, and I think because of that album being so good, it kind of brought that back from like mm-hmm. the brink. Like I feel like it was we were it was all DJs for mm-hmm. a very long time. Oh, oh, 100%, because, like, yeah, like, Flying Lotus, Kamasi Washington, uh, all those folks who are doing that, like, hip-hop jazz stuff, Odyssey, like, doing, like, really cool shit with, with, um, it's, like, a whole different moment in music right now, and I love that. Yeah, and it's it's cool, because it's, it's so, uh, drawing on very old things like like very old like jazz is as quintessentially like america as it gets but it's still so new it, mm-hmm. it's it's cool i really like seeing that you can hear any jazz song and still it'll still feel fresh i'll, yeah. I'll i i'll put on some cold train and i'm like man this could have been written like a couple weeks ago but it's like it's timeless a lot of it is just timeless there's yeah. this really good uh anime not to get into another deep dive there's anime anime called kids on the slope and it's all about um these jazz musicians who are like learning to play together and they just have all vastly different styles and they kind of try to find through improvisation how to like bring it all together and it's like one of the coolest things because it's just like the way they put it together is just like fascinating i think about that uh anime a lot when i just like hear jazz yeah i love i i love anything that sounds like nothing i've heard before like mm. that's my favorite thing where it's like in movies anything 
any kind of art where it's like, oh, that was original. Even if mm-hmm. it's like drawing on all these other things, it's like this felt new, and mm-hmm. that's so cool. Like, like that. Uh, I don't know if you heard some rap songs by Earl Sweatshirt. Oh, Earl Sweatshirt is like one of my favorite dudes. Yeah, so good. But like that album doesn't sound like anything. No, else. and it's. The first time I put it on, I was, like, making food in the kitchen. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> I know, yeah, I needed, I needed to just... Because I love Doris. I love... I, I don't do shit. I don't go outside. Great albums. But, like, they're great albums that are, like, he's doing something that everyone else was doing mm-hmm. better. Like, it's, yeah. it's exceptional. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, like, break the mold. And no. then that album, it just is, like... I It's one of, like, the few albums where it's, like, I... it's It, it helps that it's kind of short, but it's, like... Mm-hmm. I it's like twenty seven minutes long. Yeah, I instantly played it again. I'm like, yeah. I need to like, I need to like think about this. That's yeah. cool. He does a lot of cool stuff on that album for yeah. even being so small and so short. And even like Vince Staples put out something around the same time too. And I like, yeah, I like, I kind of think of them as like companion albums yeah. in my head just because they came out like so. very and they're like similar length. Like they all, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, what what those two are doing is something really special right now too. So I've been going back and forth between Vince Staples and even Tyler, the creator. Yeah, I a love huge moment. Right I now. love watching the growth of Odd Future because I wasn't yeah. like who saw that coming. Like, no, like this, like no one saw Tyler the Creator becoming this like, like queer thoughtful icon. <laughs> queer icon. I love it. Like it was, it was like. They're like listening to the old like OF stuff. It's very clearly talented people making stuff that's hard to listen. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's very vitriol, and like that's yeah, that's kind of reflective of the moment. Like I think that's the thing when people are like, "This is homophobic or misogynistic," which like it is. Yeah, but I, uh, it kind of captured what teenagers were feeling. That like it was just lashing out blindly. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, like, yeah. I think like that's kind of. So I think it has artistic merit, but it isn't, like, fun to listen to. No. And then, like, all of a sudden, they're, like, these, like, making these, like, beautifully produced, jazzy, yep. soulful yep. album. Flower Boy is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> some rap songs is mesmer. It's just like, oh, these guys really... And Frank and Ocean's, like, uh, like, a god now. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they're still fucking... I think Earl's younger than I am. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like Tyler. Tyler's like twenty five or twenty six. Yeah, yeah. It's they're like, all younger than I am. <laughs> right. So it's like these, like it's like it's like they're growing up, but they're not done growing. And so this is just like step one of like the evolution of mm-hmm. these guys. Because that was, I think, yeah, the first time I heard Tyler the Creator, I was like. I was very like I love like anyone with like that kind of like low register voice mm-hmm. is like. Um, I'm sucked into that, but yeah. then like <laughs> the words were rough on like past, yeah, they were but, like, but like uh, you could just tell he was a captivating rap. Like mm-hmm. it's like oh he doesn't sound like a lot of other people. It's like this is a unique voice. Yeah, and then for that voice to kind of catch up with like actual like cool like the project. I feel like he finally figured himself out as a producer. Like mm. Igor is. It's not a rap album. It's no. just like a, an artistic statement. And it's you don't cool. even hear from him until the third track. Yeah, it's sick. Like I, I love, I love being surprised by people. I love, and it's so weird. I don't know why these are linked in my head, but like Van Morrison just dropped a new mm-hmm. album. Yeah. And Van Morrison's one of my all-time favorite because he doesn't do anything normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's a pretty traditional album, but it's it's still like the way he says words is weird. He's just an odd guy. <laughs> But he's had like, he's made he's seventy four. He's put out like six albums in the past four years. Jeez. And most of them are okay. They're yeah. like kind of covers, kind of nostalgic things where okay. he's like playing with people he likes. But then all of a sudden he drops this new album. It's all original compositions and yeah. lyrics. It's like, ah, oh, what? Why are you doing <laughs> this now? Like it's seventy four. Like they're great. It's it's like a really great album, and. He cracks me up. Like he did an interview, and someone said, "He's so comforted. He just can't, for the life of him, do anything the way you should." <laughs> and it's like someone says, uh, "He's like, why are you asking me all these questions?" And he goes, "Oh, you've meant more to me than any other songwriter." And Van Morrison's reply is, "Ugh." <laughs> I lost it. Like, 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 I, like, I love these weirdos and these like artists that just—they never do what you expect them to do. 
That's fantastic. Ugh. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with me. Oh, this really has been appreciate a blast. It. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, of course. That was it. That was the whole conversation with Joe. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I know I learned a lot about Joe and a lot of, a lot about the work that he does. It was a fantastic opportunity to just sit down with him and have a good uh, open conversation with someone that I kind of see every now and again but never have really sat down with. And then this last week I got to and I really enjoyed it. It was a really fun time. Joe ended up staying and hanging out with Katie and I for a little while. And we just kind of went down a whole bunch of rabbit holes with Ween and... Uh, the Aquabats and a bunch of random ass music after this conversation ended. It was fantastic. I wish I could have recorded all of the the rabbit holes we went down. But again, Joe is fantastic. If you're in the Boston area, definitely uh, look up when Joe is going to be performing. Uh, and as always, I tell folks to check out uh, Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network and learn more about all of the educational opportunities and podcasts that exist on our site and go to artissurvival.com to learn more about the trauma-informed nonprofit that Katie and I run through our home and go to 6131 Records if you liked what you heard from the new Sammy Lanzetta album. It is a fantastic album. It is called Ceiling Mirror and it has a lot of really good jams on it and I'm going to actually leave you in this episode with the rest of a song called Snake Song. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, that's all I've got. Um, the end of the school year is approaching, or well, at least the year and the semester is ending. So I'm really excited to get a little bit of a, a break. But the podcast will not end because I'm taking a staycation. So I will be at home, chilling out, and hopefully recording some more episodes for you to listen to. Going to try to get some new guests. Uh, again, if you have folks that you think I should talk to, just send them my way and I will do my best. Uh, to reach out and get those things connected. Uh, but for now, that's all I've got this week. Um, I'm going to play you out with some Samuel Lanzetta. And until next time, let's get to work. Hey.